The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to Nicodemus, God loved the world so much that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not be lost, but may have eternal life. For God sent his Son into the world not to condemn the world, but so that through him the world might be saved. No one who believes in him will be condemned, but whoever refuses to believe is condemned already, because he has refused to believe in the name of God's only Son. On these grounds is sentence pronounced, that though the light has come into the world, men have shown they prefer darkness to the light, because their deeds were evil. And indeed, everybody who does wrong hates the light and avoids it, for fear his actions should be exposed. But the man who lives by the truth comes out into the light, so that it may be plainly seen that what he does is done in God. The Gospel of the Lord. Our blessed Lord speaks to Nicodemus on that mysterious night about God's love for the world. Nicodemus came looking for a teacher, but what he found was a savior. And the Lord, at this very first encounter, speaks about his passion. No one, he said, has gone up to heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the Son of Man who is in heaven. So he calls himself the Son of Man. And as the Son of Man, he says, and the Son of Man must be lifted up, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. So the death of the Savior, the Son of Man, is going to be the means, the vehicle, by which we receive eternal life. But what is the reason for this great sacrifice, this great mystery? It is nothing other than God's love, which the Lord continues to explain to Nicodemus. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. And there are two things that come out of this that the world is good because God loved it, or better still, God loves it. What is the world but everything that he created in it? As we read in Genesis, everything God made is good. However, sin entered into the world through the treachery of the devil and corrupted it. But it did not destroy it, nor did it rob the world of its essential goodness. It was to restore this goodness to its original perfection, perhaps even more, to raise it even higher, that God gave his only son. Which brings us to the second point. It is not as if God had many sons, but only one. It is not as if he gave us a creature, no matter how great 
but his own son, his own life, we might say. And given this, he gave it so that everyone who believes in the son may not be lost, but may have eternal life, which is exactly what he had said before, that the son of man will be lifted up, so all who believe in him will have eternal life. So here, our Lord is making the connection that he is the Son of Man, which is evident since he had a body like ours and certainly a soul like ours. But who is he? He is not a man in the sense that he's a created personality, but rather God himself. And he is also the Son of God because he is begotten by the Father. So then, believing in him, we may have eternal life. Not just mortal life, as the Old Testament had offered. Not a long life, but life eternal. And so the Lord continues, God loved the world, yes, he sent his Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved, because the world was created by him and has an essential goodness, and everything God created is good. It is goodness alone, in fact, that draws God to us. And this is exactly what the Son of God came to do, to restore in us this original, we could even say the divine goodness in which we were originally created. But to restore it, it was necessary that it be done through him, so that through him the world might be saved. God the Father had created the world through his Son in the Holy Spirit. The world, in its rebellion against God, had defaced this image. And so the Father had determined that the world would be recreated or redeemed through his Son, through whom he had created the world. And this is the purpose of the Incarnation. And this is essentially what our Lord is telling Nicodemus that he has to believe. No one who believes in him will be condemned. But whoever refuses to believe is condemned already, because he refused to believe in the name of God's only Son. And again, our Lord brings out two things. That believing in him, we avoid condemnation. But to refuse is in fact to live or to continue to exist in the condemnation that has already been spoken because of unbelief. And we think immediately of Thomas. Unless I put my finger in the holes, the nails made in his hands, my hand in his side, I refuse to believe. Our Lord gave Thomas the proof he required. So much the desire Thomas's salvation. And then he said for our consolation, Thomas, you believe because you have seen. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So that's the first thing. And then he goes on to say, he is condemned already because he refused to believe. Well, it's the same way that when we commit a crime, even though we are not caught for the crime, 
nonetheless we are guilty of the crime. And so to refuse to believe means that we remain in the guilt. So then the Lord says, on these grounds is sentence pronounced, that though the light has come into the world, men have shown they prefer darkness to the light, because their deeds were evil. And so what is it that keeps us from the love of God? It is essentially the love of evil, or better still, the love of nothingness, because that is essentially the nature of evil. It seeks to reduce everything to the nothingness from which all things have come. This desire for nothingness is perhaps the curse of our time. This is why life itself is denied. The value of life is negated and the desire to reduce all things to their contrary. And the contrary of being is non-being, non-existence. Yet even that is beyond the ability of the creature, of the creature, for we are incapable of not being by our own power. It is God who creates all things good, who keeps us in existence. And for this, all we can do is cling to him ever more closely. We few have been blessed with the gift of faith, faith given to us in baptism. Why we hold on that mystery, we cannot know. We do not know, except it be that God loved us so much that he gave his son, his only son to us, so that we might not be lost, but rather have life. Let us then ask the intercession of St. Thomas, the apostle who doubted, that we might never refuse to believe, but on the contrary, seek to believe ever more firmly that Jesus Christ is truly the Son of God and the Son of Mary, therefore the Son of Man, that he has come into the world to save sinners. And like Paul, we can say, of all sinners, I am the greatest. And it is for love of each and every one of us that Christ came so that he might bring us to himself, sinners though we be. Christ has truly risen. Hallelujah. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to Nicodemus, God loved the world so much that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not be lost, but may have eternal life. For God sent his Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but so that through him the world might be saved. No one who believes in him will be condemned, but whoever refuses to believe is condemned already, because he has refused to believe in the name of God's only Son. On these grounds is sentence pronounced, that though the light has come into the world, men have shown they prefer darkness to the light, because their deeds were evil. And indeed, everybody who does wrong hates the light and avoids it, for fear his actions should be exposed. But the man who lives by the truth comes out into the light, so that it may be plainly seen that what he does is done in God. The Gospel of the Lord.
Our blessed Lord speaks to Nicodemus on that mysterious night about God's love for the world. Nicodemus came looking for a teacher, but what he found was a savior. And the Lord, at this very first encounter, speaks about his passion. No one, he said, has gone up to heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the Son of Man who is in heaven. So he calls himself the Son of Man. And as the Son of Man, he says, and the Son of Man must be lifted up, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. So the death of the Savior, the Son of Man, is going to be the means, the vehicle, by which we receive eternal life. But what is the reason for this great sacrifice, this great mystery? It is nothing other than God's love, which the Lord continues to explain to Nicodemus. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. And there are two things that come out of this that the world is good because God loved it, or better still, God loves it. What is the world but everything that he created in it? As we read in Genesis, everything God made is good. However, sin entered into the world through the treachery of the devil and corrupted it. But it did not destroy it, nor did it rob the world of its essential goodness. It was to restore this goodness to its original perfection, perhaps even more, to raise it even higher, that God gave his only son. Which brings us to the second point. It is not as if God had many sons, but only one. It is not as if he gave us a creature, no matter how great but his own son, his own life, we might say. And given this, he gave it so that everyone who believes in this son may not be lost, but may have eternal life, which is exactly what he had said before, that the Son of Man will be lifted up, so all who believe in him will have eternal life. So here, our Lord is making the connection that he is the Son of Man, which is evident since he had a body like ours and certainly a soul like ours. But who is he? He is not a man in the sense that he is a created personality, but rather God himself. And he is also the Son of God because he is begotten by the Father. So then, believing in him, we may have eternal life. Not just mortal life, as the Old Testament had offered. Not a long life, but life eternal. And so the Lord continues, God loved the world, yes, he sent his Son into the world, not to condemn the world, 
but that through him the world might be saved, because the world was created by him and has an essential goodness, and everything God created is good. It is goodness alone, in fact, that draws God to us. And this is exactly what the Son of God came to do, to restore in us this original, we could even say the divine goodness in which we were originally created. But to restore it, it was necessary that it be done through him, so that through him the world might be saved. God the Father had created the world through his Son in the Holy Spirit. The world, in its rebellion against God, had defaced this image. And so the Father had determined that the world would be recreated or redeemed through his Son, through whom he had created the world. And this is the purpose of the Incarnation. And this is essentially what our Lord is telling Nicodemus, that he has to believe. No one who believes in him will be condemned. But whoever refuses to believe is condemned already, because he refused to believe in the name of God's only Son. And again, our Lord brings out two things. That believing in him, we avoid condemnation. But to refuse is in fact to live or to continue to exist in the condemnation that has already been spoken because of unbelief. And we think immediately of Thomas. Unless I put my finger in the holes, the nails made in his hands, my hand in his side, I refuse to believe. Our Lord gave Thomas the proof he required. So much the desire Thomas's salvation. And then he said for our consolation, Thomas, you believe because you have seen. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So that's the first thing. And then he goes on to say, he is condemned already because he's refused to believe. Well, it's the same way that when we commit a crime, even though we are not caught for the crime, nonetheless, we're guilty of the crime. And so to refuse to believe means that we remain in the guilt. So then he, the Lord says, on these grounds is sentence pronounced, that though the light has come into the world, Men have shown they prefer darkness to the light because their deeds were evil. And so what is it that keeps us from the love of God? It is essentially the love of evil, or better still, the love of nothingness. Because that is essentially the nature of evil. It seeks to reduce everything to the nothingness from which all things have come. This desire for nothingness is perhaps the curse of our time. This is why life itself is denied. The value of life is negated and the desire to reduce all things to their contrary. And the contrary of being is non-being, non-existence. Yet even that is beyond the ability of the creature, of the creature for we are incapable of not being by our own power. It is God who creates all things good, who keeps us in existence. And for this, all we can do is cling to him ever more closely. We few have been blessed with the gift of faith, faith given to us in baptism. 
Why we hold on that mystery, we cannot know. We do not know, except it be that God loved us so much that he gave his son, his only son, to us so that we might not be lost, but rather have life. Let us then ask the intercession of St. Thomas, the apostle who doubted, that we might never refuse to believe, but on the contrary, seek to believe ever more firmly that Jesus Christ is truly the Son of God and the Son of Mary, therefore the Son of Man, that he's come into the world to save sinners. And like Paul, we can say, of all sinners, I am the greatest. And it is for love of each and every one of us that Christ came so that he might bring us to himself, sinners though we be. Christ has truly risen. Hallelujah. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.